Well, God bless you guys. Welcome. Welcome to each and every one of you. <clears throat> I want to, um, before we get into prayer, I hope that uh, if uh, you're available, if you can, I want to encourage you to, to get your Bibles. <clears throat> I want to um, briefly um, delve into the word of the Lord before we go ahead and um, pray. If that's okay, I want to ask that we turn to Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. Luke chapter 10. By the way, thank you. I, I mean, uh, it's 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 a, a blessing to have you all uh, join once again for prayer. And... Um, Apologize for those that uh, was were hoping to have two days um, of prayer a week, <clears throat> uh, just due to uh, many other time constraints and things that I have going on and limited time and so on, limited energy. Um, I just don't foresee that being uh, two days in addition, uh, three days in total. Uh, the Bible study on Saturday and, and as well as the um, Two days of additional prayer is just not going to be uh, sustainable. <clears throat> so, but um, I'm glad nevertheless we have um, a day in addition to the Bible study wherein we can pray. Um, I've said this many times before. It's a quotation from Charles Spurgeon. And it is that uh, the engine of the church is prayer. Amen. We we can't uh, we can't go anywhere with the blessing of God unless we pray. Um, a prayer is the is the humble recognition that we don't have it all together. It's the it's the placing of our ourselves in the position of pleading for the the power of God for the help of God, <clears throat> right? And um, it is also a submission to his lordship. And that's why for those that do not pray, they're not the ones that uh, humble themselves before the lordship of Christ. Um, because as David, right, David inquired of the Lord before he proceeded with certain uh, commitments. Even before he had gone out in war, he didn't rely upon his military experience, but rather he relied upon uh, the okay of God, the green light. Right, because if you have the Lord's green light, you have His insurance policy. Um, if you go without His green light, then we don't have insurance from the Lord. Certainly, God can get us out of a the misery we place ourselves in. He can get us out of the pit, but um, but we don't want to we we don't want to put God to the test. Amen. <clears throat> and that's what Satan did. He said, doesn't the word of the Lord say, you know, he says, throw yourself down and for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in your hands, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Right. It was a misapplication of, of, of scripture. And it was, uh, it's the sin of presumption and putting God to the test. And so we don't want to do something. We know that God did not commission us to do and then when we get ourselves in trouble you know 
just continue to rely upon the mercy of God. Certainly there's mercy, but we don't want to, again, put God to the test. <clears throat> Excuse me. But nevertheless, um, again, prayer is the engine of the church. And so that's why we're here to pray. And uh, I want to prime us with the word and, and spur us with uh, some instruction and some teaching before uh, we delve into uh, prayer. And the reason why I do this, because each opportunity that I have to uh, sow the seed of the word, uh, I do so. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, the 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 word of the Lord tests the heart of people. Uh, you know, people are not, um, how can I say it? People aren't tested uh, when you pray for them. Um, people are not, um, their character isn't tested when you pray for them. Their character isn't tested when you give them an encouraging prophetic word. There's nothing um, that rubs people wrong uh, when you when you offer that service to them. But what off what rubs people wrong is to be confronted with the word of the Lord, right? To and when I say confronted, that sounds bad, but it simply means to uh, explain the word of God, to preach the word of God. Um, that may uh, contradict our practice, our behavior, <clears throat> what we're doing, what we're believing, um, who who we are associating with. And so a lot of times people evade uh, hearing the word, um, even in uh, this own fellowship through the course of three years, um, without naming names, <clears throat> um, but there had been a number of people that have um, had no problem coming uh, whenever they so chose to receive prayer. Um, but do it right at the time uh, when they just bypass the word and our word uh, frequently. And so that tells me that there's a character problem is that you don't want to come underneath the authority of the word, but you want to be helped Amen. And um, <clears throat> that's that's a enormous character flaw. And that is often indicative of a rebellious individual. Amen. <clears throat> you know, um, at work, the the students don't mind if you are cool and relatable. But the moment you start laying down the rules and you start explaining to them what is required of them by the state, right? It's not something I've made up. I'm simply explaining to them what the state and the district requires in order for them to graduate, right? And so, similarly, the the state, if you will, <clears throat> is the kingdom of God, and this is his rule book. And we're all, uh, minister or non-minister alike, are under the authority of, of those scriptures, right? And so, especially during this time in prayer where there's more of an intimate setting um, and there are less people, uh, so it can be more, again, intimate. I want to, by the word of God and the authority of scripture, <clears throat> explain to us um what this fellowship consists of, amen, and uh, what what is expected. 
um, and what God expects of us. And, and if we do not come under the authority of the Lord's word and the, the governance of his spirit, what will happen is there will be, as a consequence, divisions, right? And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when they were all seated, seated, seated in one mind and one accord, then the Spirit came. And they were doing that for 10 days, right? Because the time in which <clears throat> Jesus departed from them, um, there... <laughs> They waited until Pentecost. And so when the day, and Penta, Pente means 50. And so <clears throat> on the 40th day, Jesus departed from them. And so that means from 40 to 50 or 10 days. So they, they were in constant prayer for 10 days. So before we have moves of the Spirit, we need consecration unto God. And we need a unifying vision. Right? Now, <clears throat> when we look in Acts chapter 2, Peter, the, the chief spokesman, ha, the chief apostle, had arose and said, This is that which was spoken of by the mouth of uh, the prophet Joel. And the Lord says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And the amazing thing is, is you, you have to understand that during the day of Pentecost, it didn't matter if you were in Jerusalem or not. If you lived uh, a long way off, you had to get there. And you had to bring your offerings. All the things that were prescribed by the law. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so... There, there are a you know a vast major, there, there are a wide array of people. There was a lot of people there that attended that day to see the outpouring of the Spirit of God, and three thousand in total were saved. Amen. So speak about a move of God, but that move did not happen until they were all in one mind, one body, one accord, right? <clears throat> so, but nevertheless. Um, You know, let, let me uh, let me turn there real quickly. You know, First Corinthians. I know I said Luke ten, but um, I, I want us to take a look at First Corinthians real quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. First Corinthians uh, chapter one, verse ten. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. <clears throat> so Paul is appealing to the Corinthians. And he's writing to them, and he's saying, Look, this is what, I, this is what not only I desire to see, but what God expects from the church of God. Um. He desires for there to be no division. Now, for division not to exist, what has to be eliminated is ignorance and rebellion. Sometimes people are divided because there is ignorance. And when I say ignorance, I don't, be, I don't say that to be belittling. I say it in the truest sense of uninformed. 
When people come into the church and they don't know about the ways of God, and let's say they give their lives to the Lord, you need to give them some time in order to learn about the Word of God and the ways of God so that their mind can be renewed. Their mind can come into alignment to what they, for all their life previously, had not known of. So sometimes you have to give <clears throat> excuse me, people an opportunity some time. Um, you know, babies, when they're born, they don't come into the alignment of, of the home um, immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's many a correction, uh, many uh, rebukes and reproofs and corrections that that child needs to receive in order for them to understand the vision of the house, the expectation of the house, and, and the, the government, the rules, <clears throat> the, the instructions, the precepts. And as that child reaches maturity, the parents are able to leave and he or she can be entrusted to not leave the house in shambles. Right? Um, and so that's what we expect in the household of God. That's what, that is what is expected. And the reason why I'm touching on this is because of recent, and I'm, I'm going to speak here uh, personally. <clears throat> I had to personally uh, remove people um, for one reason or another. And, uh, and as I stated on the chat, it isn't due to necessarily immorality or, or sin. Um, one can very much be a Christian and love God, but not um, be in alignment. Uh, in thought or in alignment spiritually, in alignment with their heart. Amen. And uh, that's that's critical. That's vital because what happens as a result is the the home cannot be adequately built up. The fellowship cannot adequately be built up. And if if there is no unity, there can be no advancing forward. Amen. So... Um, Yes. So and I hope in the future that there won't need there won't be any more occasions uh where uh people have to be removed. And uh, as I stated all already uh in the chat um let, let me just let me say this real quick. <clears throat> One of the individuals um left because they are offended with the word uh, this particular individual um, was not confronted by me. Um, they were confronted by another individual in the group, and I'm being vague and and um, for a purpose, just so you know, uh, just because I want you guys to get the principle behind the matter. <clears throat> but they were offended with the word because this individual has um, some relatives, I believe by marriage or, or some sort of relationship, uh, some in the family that are ethnically Palestinian. And because this individual would not outrightly condemn terrorists that were of the Palestinians and were offended because um, one of the individuals in the group confronted this particular uh, person on this, as a consequence, they got offended. 
and uh, they blocked people and left on their own accord. So um, why I bring that up is because, you know, it, we're kingdom over culture. We're kingdom over race. We're kingdom over the continent that we're in. We're kingdom before anything else by ethnicity, race. It doesn't matter. What comes first is the truth of God and the word of God. And and if you, if people are going to get offended because uh, kingdom comes over race, it comes over everything else, then obviously kingdom is not first. We must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added unto us, right? We, we must be the kingdom of God first. And now here's the problem is everybody wants the kingdom on their own terms. A lot of people want will say, you know, oh, you know, I'm for Jesus, right? But they don't want you to define Jesus for them. They don't want you to be specific about his word because the more specific you are about his teaching. What did Jesus say in John 15? If you love me, obey me and keep my commandments. Okay, so then let's start going into the commandments of the Lord and start specifying what it is that Jesus actually said, did, and and taught. Okay, and so, and so we have an option. Do 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 we follow the soul? Do we follow the flesh? Um, and this is I'm personalizing this because people must understand. That the Bible is not just an abstract book. It's not an abracadabra book. It's not a book that doesn't speak to real people in real time. Paul, in his letters, addressed people personally. He said, hey, watch out for Hymenaeus and Philetus. Watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. He did me a great evil. Watch out for these people. Or he, he specifically addressed certain things in the church of the Corinthians. But see, that's the problem, is people just want to read the Bible as a cute devotional book, okay? But when, and it's okay for them to read about Paul rebuking other people, but they just don't, and and, and to some extent, they're okay with reading the Bible itself and receiving correction individually. The problem that a lot of people have is for someone in flesh and blood, as like, just like Paul, to say, hey, look, this is what the Word of God says. You need, a, you need to stop that. You need to cut that out. You need to cut that person out or whatever it is, whatever specific correction that individual needs to hear, right? It takes a mature person. It takes a spiritual person. I'm not talking about receiving um, abuse or, or anything like that, but to be told the truth, okay? And, and so... And this is, um, it, it's unfortunate. Um, but I, I've been doing this for a while now. And um, specifically with this fellowship for three years. And um, <clears throat> a good number of us, uh, you know, a, a, a minority of us have remained. And uh, that's because we, we, uh, bel- we, we see God is moving. Uh, we we are convinced that the Lord is here, and um, 
and we're convinced of what's being taught as truth and <clears throat> and there's a sense of humility and and uh, maturity that says I'm not going to divide the body of Christ right and so you know let, let me let me show you this real quick let me show you something let's turn to Acts chapter 20 I I understand that stuff like this isn't popular. I know it's not popular. Um but I I'm not I'm not interested in popularity. I'm not interested in offending people either. I'm not interested in making enemies. Um I know that sometimes preachers can maybe be misunderstood as as being gratified by that and maybe there are some. Not maybe there certainly are some out there. Um, particularly, I believe a lot of, uh, the more extremist, radical, kind of angry street preacher persona, those sort of guys, I think they think of themselves as martyrs and they, they, I, I, they think of individuals as tally marks and the more that they can get people angry with them, the more they feel validated and approved. Um, but Paul didn't seek out to make enemies, nor did he seek out to necessarily make friends. He's, he had been commissioned by the Lord Jesus himself, and he said, I am under obligation by the risen Lord, by the risen Christ. And that, that's not just a cute idea, my brothers and sisters, in a very real sense. I can say the same. I know that I know that I've been commissioned by the risen Christ. I meet with him. I know him. And I am convinced we all here know him. And... um and being a threat to the kingdom of darkness, I'm sure that I am. And I say that with uh, gravity and um, a, ver a full recognition of what it requires in order to build up the church of God. But with that said, that's my mission. And that's what Christ has commissioned me before I was born, setting me apart from my mother's womb, putting me in the ministry for the purpose of of transferring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Lord's dear son. Amen. And, and communicating the mystery of God, um, that he has revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. The Bible says in Ephesians, <clears throat> but what I wanted to take uh, note of, Oh, but what I was saying is that, um, Um, I don't see many people last. I don't see many people. I don't. And um, it's a sad misfortune because they have not counted the cost of discipleship. <clears throat> Again, they, 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 a lot of believers in the church, they listen to sermons. That's good. On YouTube, that's good. Don't get me wrong. If you're listening to the right people, amen. They read the word. That's good. They love the Lord. That's good. But they reject the process of discipleship. So if you look in Acts chapter 20, like what uh, Paul says, um, Beginning at verse uh, 28. 
Oh, verse 27, actually. I'm, <laughs> I hate when I do this. I, I look at the passage, I'm like, oh no, let me go verse up, verse up, verse up, because it gives more context. But verse 26, Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. So Paul thought of himself as potentially one who could be guilty of the blood of people. Why? Was, was Paul uh, a murderer? He was in his life prior to Christ. But was he somehow <laughs> murdering the um, elders at Ephesus? No. But what does it say in Ezekiel chapter 3? When I say unto a wicked man, you shall surely die, and do not warn him to speak out to dissuade him of his evil ways in order to save his life. That wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. So it's not a beautiful thing. It's not a, it's not a light thing to warn people uh, from the scriptures. What does Paul say? I believe in Colossians chapter six, uh, chapter three, verse sixteen, he says, "A warning uh, with all wisdom, warning and admonishing every man to make him perfect in Christ." Right. And guess what? You don't make a lot of good friends doing that by constantly warning and admonishing and correcting. You don't make friends that way. Um. So it takes a heavenly vision. It takes being anchored by God himself in order to continue to propel people, to disciple people in the right way and not just amass a huge following for likes and a mega church where you don't get up in people's mix. It's easier to do that. But verse 26, it says, Therefore I declare to you today I'm innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So Paul is not being partial here. He is impartial in communicating the entirety of the word of God. He's not selective and saying, you know, I'm not going to touch on the hard stuff. I'm going to just talk about some of the more easy things. Easy things. I'm going to talk about the love of God. I'm going to talk about mercy, which are valid. And we need to talk about those. We need to preach on those. But there are also very hard things. And sometimes those verses need to be personalized and apply to particular individuals. And that specific form of discipleship is what tests them. And some don't stand the test. And as a result, they go their own way. But verse 28, it says, keep watch over yourselves. So yes, ministers keep watch over the church, but they also have to keep watch over themselves. So it's they're not just looking out for themselves. They're also looking out for the church. They're not just looking out for the church. They also have to keep a watch on themselves. So it's it's even more difficult. Because you have your eyes on two, two entities. Yourself and an entire group. Entire fellowship. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. So this isn't something that is just a good idea or... You know, someone's power tripping is like, I would love to do that. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that positions specific people over his own flock, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does. And it's not just subjective. It's not just something the Holy Spirit spoke to me, although he certainly has. 
but he also attests to it through prophetic witness. Um, if someone says they feel called to the ministry, but have no prophets that are themselves tested and reputable and godly, having pointed them out, then I I would encourage, I would warn you to be weary of those people because there is no prophet, there is no apostle that has just gone out and done their own thing and has nobody to vouch for them, nobody that has prophesied over them to, ser- to serve as prophetic confirmation and establishment over their life. Even Jesus himself, as God in the flesh, waited out, waited for the point man, namely John the Baptist, the prophet of the Lord, to prepare the way for him so that when all of the Pharisees and the chief priests and the scribes, right, seeing John baptizing people in the river of which all the people held them to be a prophet. Jesus was not anointed and singled out and commissioned until John the Baptist uh, pointed him out. In fact, Jesus didn't even rely upon the voice of the Father that came down from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He didn't rely on that alone. He needed to be singled out. And until he was singled out by a prophet and confirmed by a prophet and established by one, he did not proceed with his ministry. His ministry didn't begin until that day. Even God himself stooped down and humbled himself making him dependent upon the cooperation of another man. He had to be baptized in the Jordan River to fulfill all righteousness. This does not say that. But today, a lot of people believe they are too good and they go out themselves because they are vagabonds and they are rebellious and um, they, they can't... It's just them... And Jesus is just them, the Bible and Jesus. That's all they think they need. But <laughs> if they really knew Jesus, they would understand that Jesus himself did not do things without um, validation. He did nothing without the validation of the Father, without the validation of John the Baptist, without the validation of the Holy Spirit that descended on him as a dove. Amen. So, but nonetheless, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So why do I mention this verse? Because the biggest concern isn't the out and the, um, you know, the, the Muslims or these cults or the occult, right? The biggest concern is uh, people in the church that come, that, that are numbered, amongst the church and they rise up and 
they they lead people away either through false doctrine or false doctrine or immorality. <clears throat> I remember one of the most disheartening things I seen when um I was um with uh a former pastor of mine and um he he was an apostle sent to uh a specific city he was sent out and um I was his right-hand man and we were uh, you know, I was helping to pioneer church from the ground up along with him. And um, daily I would go out and evangelize. I know I don't do that uh, today like I used to. I just where the season God has me in, I'm just not doing that like I used to. Although my heart still is there. Um, but I was evangelizing daily. And I uh, had happened to win an entire family to the Lord. And... Um, we were able to baptize them. It was one guy who, uh, he was in the gangs. He just got out of prison. <clears throat> he was trying to build up his family back. He had kids, right? Now, long story short, um, <clears throat> one of the sisters that was at our church for a number of years, um, unfortunately and very sadly, uh, slept with this man who's married um, not long after him joining the church along with his wife and kids. And um, so that ruined a marriage. And I don't know what happened after that. But the point being, it was a, it was a tragic thing. So we weren't so much concerned about members being led astray by Islam as much as we were concerned about uh, members falling away from Christ due to immorality and certain persons within the church that don't follow after God, right? Or, or whatever, right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you'd be surprised at the things I've seen. Uh, an old church that I got saved in. The drummer ended up going to prison because he was uh, uh, manufacturing child pornography. Um, he would get underage girls and film them. And um, One of the deacons <clears throat> on another case... Um, man... Um, molested uh, several children in the church. Um, uh, there was another individual that was incestuous and was having sex with his own biological sister that was underage. So I say this not to... <clears throat> and then the deacon, the dirty deacon... Um, has life in prison now, which is good because he ruined several children's lives <clears throat> because of that. <clears throat> and, um, and I can go on about things I've seen in those, you know, early years as a believer, I was utterly shocked, so shocked because I didn't. You know, as someone that came out of the street life and drugs and slanging and all that, 
Um, <clears throat> I thought that people didn't go to church unless they were really wanting God. Because when I lived my life of sin, I couldn't see being a Christian. I don't go into church. I thought that was I thought that was lame. Like who does that? Unless you're really committed. <clears throat> but that's because there are people that are not either are genuine but fell away, had a very uh, tempting time, or are otherwise just completely wolves. <clears throat> right? But notice, though, Paul says it's after his departure, ravenous wolves will come. And you'll be surprised all that happens when there is no apostolic, no prophetic, no pastoral supervision. Um, that's why it is critical, because the priesthood are those that guard against um, wolves, that guard against a lot of the bad stuff that um, if if they're doing the right thing. You know, I, I'm so blessed. Let me share this testimony. So <clears throat> my spiritual covering, uh, of which I am just immensely grateful for. Um, and uh, I had sought for that um, by the Lord and had prayed. And, and God made it abundantly clear that uh, the one to cover me is my own cousin, of, of which I had to come and speak, Prophet James. And it just blessed my heart, because last week, um, the Lord had spoken to him, and that uh, <clears throat> he needed to, you know, in an impromptu uh, phone call to, to minister to me. And so he was leading me in prayer, and I had it on speakerphone as my wife was driving, and we parked outside of a grocery store. And uh, the Spirit of God just came marvelously and strongly and powerfully. And then at that moment, my, my cousin received a vision of my my boy um, being afraid and, and dreaming. He says, you know, he, the Lord showed him that my son has nightmares. And that it caused him fear, and I was like, "Yes, that's absolutely accurate." And um, and um, but nonetheless, we prayed over. He prayed for my son, and but it was completely on point, and just came against the enemy, and uh, it was just beautiful to to know. And I already knew my cousin, my boy, is called to the ministry, but uh, the Lord showed my cousin that uh, my son, he is called as a prophet, and the Lord will be speaking to him immensely through dreams, and that's why the devil is attacking him in his dreams. And so, um, isn't that interesting how the thing of which you're called to is the very thing that the devil will fight you most against? In the area that you will be the most strongest to be a liberator for other people, the devil will fight tooth and nail to destroy that area of your life. So if, 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 if you're going to have righteous seed, he's going to uh, attack you in the area of fornication because he don't want a, 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 a righteous seed to be built upon a godly marriage. So he wants you to go sleeping around with everybody. To destroy your sexual organs, to destroy, right, with STDs and everything else. 
and, and any area of which God is going to use you mightily, right? What, what was it? The Lord was going to use Abraham, right, through and, and give him seed, which was Isaac, of which Christ would come. And so, but he was thrown off trajectory in order to birth an Ishmael. So the devil says, okay, okay, all right, all right, you want a son? All right, just, just don't do it God's way. Do it my way. And look at the untold evil that comes as a result of Abraham's relapse of faith. His time of weakness. You see that conflict today in Israel amongst the Palestinians and the Israelis? That is because of Abraham. Right? So, let's not falter. Let's continue to carry on doing the work of the Lord immovable. Amen? Immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be coming to a close here. But I, I want us to be... I want, as we pray, we need to be of the same vision. We need to be (coughs) of the same mind. We need to be of the same understanding. Um, Let us now at this time turn to Luke chapter 10. And I want to just quickly touch on this. And this is what the Lord of the Lord says at verse 1 of chapter 10 of the book of Luke. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus is commissioning the 72, which are ministers of the gospel that are going to go out, evangelize, do the work of the ministry. They go into the harvest field, which are the people of God, right? And what is told them? He commissions them out and says to pray, right? They ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Right? So, but here's the thing. They had to be right and they had to be unified. They had to be connected. They first had to learn the ways of of Christ the Lord before they were sent out. So they knew the teaching of Christ. They knew the doctrine of the kingdom. And they were themselves good because otherwise the Lord wouldn't send out jacked up people. But here's the thing. That had to be the case because if they reaped an immense harvest. And the harvest was plentiful. There's a lot of people to minister to. See, they you're not going to have anybody. You, you can't send people to a fellowship of people that are disunified, divided, right? Fragmented and, and not good themselves. Right? It, it's kind of like... <laughs> Trying to bring somebody to the hospital, but all the nurses and the doctors are themselves amputated, having to operate on themselves. They're very ill themselves. Who's going to do the operating? Right? 
So <clears throat> that doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, but it means that we all, you know, we 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 we're on the same page. We're following the Lord. We're sticking to his word. But this last point, the reason why I bring this passage up is for us to make this our prayer this day, this evening. Because as I mentioned, and, and as I said already, and I put us in remembrance of this, I I prophesied that there would be people leaving before it occurred. So we know that the things that would soon transpire, the things that must take place. But according to John 15, in order for there to be much fruitfulness, there has to be pruning. And pruning, that means you take stuff away. And sometimes people, a fellowship needs to be pruned of people in order for there to be much for, for much fruit to be, to be budded, to come forth. And since the harvest offers fruit for the laborers, that harvest can't come unless the pruning had taken place. But now that the pruning has taken place, there must be labor. And the labor that those that are participating in the vision must commit themselves to is prayer that God would send forth more laborers and that there would be a harvest. Right? That there would be a harvest. Well, and, 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 and this, this should be our joy. Right, because it, it, the Father's heart is is for souls, is for people, is for the lost people, is for those that don't know God. And you know, we need. I, I remember seeing churches before in the past, and I don't say this to be insulting, but the vast majority of them. The youngest amongst them were in their 60s. The oldest amongst them were entering into their 90s. There was no new blood. There was no new people. There's no one to carry the baton. There's no one to, 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 to cast a vision to, to then reach this world, to, to, to do uh, the, the purposes of God, to spread you know the light of, of, of the Lord into Dark regions. And that's a problem. If a family line dies out, that's a problem. If a church dies out with and it stops and it stagnates at a specific generation, that's a problem. Because our God is a generational God. The things that were done for David said would be told for another generation. Amen. And so what I want to see to rise up in this fellowship are people that are single. Then they marry. They marry the right one. They take what they learn here to wait on the Lord, to pray, to get vision, to get dreams, to get confirmation that the one that they're seeking to marry is in fact the right one. So that when they marry them and they pursue that and they you, and they tie it down, they have kids. Now they're raising their kids in the ways of God and their ki those kids will raise their kids. Amen.
That we will have righteous lives. We will have righteous ancestry. And we'll be thinking the mind of the Lord, not our mind. Amen. And we begin to take territory. We begin to push the enemy back. Push the devil back. I want to see people that come out of poverty and enter into prosperity and become property owners. That become uh, uh, millionaires. That become earn annual six fi- uh, figures. Uh, there should be... Uh, our, this fellowship should be rich towards God, first of all. But be prosperous also and, and advance forward. That we should be property owners. That we should be legislators. That we should take dominion. But it takes for people to know their God, to to be strong in the Lord, in order to do mighty exploits for Him. Amen. Hallelujah. So, but it begins, what does it say? Judgment begins at the household of God. It says, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged of the Lord. So let's judge ourselves in righteousness and say, you know what, Lord, what area of my life do you not have dominion yet? And let those weak areas be swallowed up by life. Let it be swallowed up by the grace of God. And that the weakest amongst us will become as the mighty men of David. Amen. So... But it takes effort. It takes commitment to the to the ways of the Lord. It takes prayer. It takes labor. It takes sacrifice. <clears throat> so as we pray, I want that in our, I want that in our minds. I want that to be a vision of ours. <clears throat> that um, new blood, new life would be added, not wolves. Not by strategic marketing, but by the Holy Ghost selecting men, selecting souls. I try to put into remembrance how much it means to be lost and to be saved. You know, we get saved and and we, we become very accustomed to being saved and we become very familiar and we, f- we forget what a life outside of Christ really is like. And so we have to put ourselves in remembrance. I put myself in remembrance because we forget. But there are people that need the Lord. And so I, I want the gospel to enter into different regions, to enter different continents that and see the the wondrous workings of God. But you know what? It's going to take a people that aren't going to be so lazy, that are going to be so fickle, to be so inconsistent, that they can't they they can't show up to prayer, that they can't pray, that they can't listen to a Bible study because they get so offended that the truth is preached and they don't want to change their lives accordingly. It's going to take men and women that that will submit themselves to the governance of the Lord, to humble themselves before his mighty hand so that the God of heaven and earth will lift them up in due time. 
And so, but we can't carry on as a people of God if each individual that comes, and I'm not referring to us, I'm, I'm speaking of those who, who, who cannot heed the word of the Lord. <clears throat> and they get bent out of shape. Right? It cannot it cannot happen. There has to be unity of mind. Amen. So does it make sense? Your 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 children would if children are rebellious, they will never go beyond their parents. Son, do this. No, I don't want to do that. Daughter, go this way. No, I don't want to. But when a child, when children are obedient, they go further than their parents. You know, I was surprised because on Friday I was talking to a student and I was shocked because he was in eighth grade. And yet he knew about interest. He knew about uh, uh, taxes. He knew about money. He knew about all these things. I was like, you've learned that from somewhere. You learned that from your dad or something because all those thoughts, they're not original. Someone poured into you. Because a lot of these kids don't think on your level. That means you're listening to somebody. You're submitting to the teaching of another. Because you didn't pop up with all that. So so, so what that means is, 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 is being taught. It takes submission. But when you're submitted, right, it takes years. It adds years to your life. When you do things the hard way and you say, Lord, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to listen to Moses. I don't want to listen to them. I'm a follow Aaron who builds me a golden calf and satisfies my pleasures instead of following the vision of the Lord through the spokesman of God, right? What happens is for every day you complained and grumbled and had fought against God becomes a year. So the 40 days of grumbling becomes 40 years of wasted life. So you know what? No, I'm going to just follow you, Lord. And you have appointed Moses as leader of your people. So I'm only going to spend 40 days in this cruddy wilderness. <laughs> right? So um, let, let us pray. <clears throat>